you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. But what makes a shingle a 40-year shingle, say, as opposed to a 20-year shingle? Let's say one of the obvious elements will be the thickness of the shingle, the thickness of the wearing surface as well. If you compare, if you put them side by side, a basic three-tab shingle that may have a 25-year warranty on it, and you're looking at a 40-year shingle, you're going to find the thickness. Now, also, if you read the technical side of the technical bulletins or information that's on the, the manufacturer's data sheets, you're going to find that the weight of them increased tremendously as you go up in number of years for warranty. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, and Ken is here every weekend at this time to take your calls and answer the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to our website, kenthecontractor.com. According to a large research firm called Ripoff Reports, the consumer complaints and lawsuits regarding home improvements continue to be on the rise. Now, I'll tell you, as we've moved through the last few years in this economy, that really is no surprise to me as a professional builder. What we tend to see, especially when the economy goes bad, and I've done this a long time, folks, is we see a lot of fly-by-night folks that jump up into any business, not just construction, but any business, and they're looking for a quick dollar. And that, unfortunately, results in litigation, results in poor workmanship, it results in a lot of unhappy customers and things that you may have to pay to do over again. So one of the things I want to caution everybody about is, whether you are bringing an electrician in to change out a light fixture or whether you are looking to put on an addition or, frankly, even if you're out there right now thinking about building a new home, you want to follow certain procedures. You don't want to find your name or your particular incident being listed and identified in rip-off reports in their research and posted on the website as another you being another victim of someone trying to take advantage of you and many others when it comes to construction. Now, with that said, I want to tell you this, that across this country, there are many high-quality contractors, builders, subcontractors, In fact, in my decades of experience, and I've dealt with a lot of subcontractors and being a contractor, I will tell you that I've encountered far more, far more high-quality companies than those that are fly-by-night. But the ones that we tend to hear about are the ones that take advantage of us, and I want you to stay away from those folks. Let's talk a little bit about how you manage to do things right and do the best you can to protect your interest and get the quality clearly that you deserve. There are some common Mistakes, and I'll just use it that way, that I think the consumer sort of stumbles into. And sometimes it's because you don't know. And I'll tell you, frankly, there are industries that I'm not highly skilled in that I may make some mistakes in. So we are not all skilled in everything that's available to us in the marketplace. But number one is knowing how to screen contractors or how to interview them to be sure that they are the right people for your particular project. And the, with that, I'm going to bring in what really is uh, another item I have here, and that's talk to multiple contractors at the same time. First, I want you to be able to screen the contractor. I want you to understand a little something about their business. How long have they been in business? What type of work do they specialize in? And you may want to sit and write these down at some point. Go back, listen to the podcast, or check out my website, kenthecontractor.com. 
But I want you to write down some basic questions and ask, how long have you been in business? What territory do you work in? What work do you specialize in? Do you do your own work, meaning are you hands-on? Are you subcontracting every aspect of my project? You know, Who do you bank with? Are you properly licensed? Do you have insurance for the locality that you're working in? Do you have workers' comp? Do you provide builders' risk? Now, I know this is a lot of information, but that's very basic to me in screening any general contractor or subcontractor or specialty contractor. Because, unfortunately, in this industry, the majority of construction companies that open their doors will fail within the first one to three years. About 85 to 90 percent of companies fail. You want to know you're working with somebody that's established, somebody with a good reputation, somebody that can perform quality work, and someone that has been there and will be there to offer the warranty service should you have an issue later on. So know how to screen a contractor or specialty trade. You can also use other sources, such as your local chamber of commerce, your builders association, your building department, and vendors, meaning wholesale houses, to check on these various contractors you're thinking about using and ask them for references. All of that will be great sources in just screening them. Now, once you know how to screen a contractor, I want you to entertain at least three bids on anything that you're looking to do where there's any large dollar volume involved in it. And first, you need to screen the contractors to know that those three that you want to solicit are right. They're compatible with you, and they can deliver the product and service that you're looking for. Take three bids. And if you're doing this, I want you to sit down and write out a scope of work. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be a 10-page report. But what are you trying to purchase? And I want you to put it in writing so that each of these three contractors receive the same information. It's fair to them, and it's fair to you because they're going to quote at least more closely the same scope of work. And then once you receive their bids, I want you to go through them line by line. I want you to compare them. Then I want you to call them and follow up and be sure that you have a clear understanding of any of these items, especially if they're gray areas, that they have identified in their report. Now, if you do all this, you're clearly on the right track to nailing down a good, solid contractor, specialty trade, and a contract in a form that everybody can agree to. One of the things you have to consider, and this goes back even to writing your scope of work, is what are you looking for with these products? And don't be short-sighted. It depends on your budget, because we all are limited by budget resources. But if you are looking to replace windows, for example, in your home, saying, I don't ever want to replace them again, then you don't want a bare-bones, most basic window that may only perform for five years or so and have problems. You want to go to something that's a little higher and consider the long-term benefits to you as well as the potential payback when the time comes to sell that home. What's it doing for the value of your home? Is it actually going to help you at some point in the future? Is it going to enhance the opportunity to sell the house? So those are some things that only you can decide, but I want you to decide that up front. And I don't want you to have contractors or uh, sales folks from wholesale houses coming in and telling you what you need when it may not be what you want. I want you to do your research in advance. This is where time really is money to you. The more time you put into it, the more research you do, the more people you talk with, the happier you're going to be at the end of this particular project. And then I guess maybe the last item that I would say that people have a tendency to do, and I've been guilty of this in in my life and career as well, is we tend to buy price. We are driven, you hear me say this on this show over and over again, by price point. We look at something, and it costs $825, and the next item that looks similar to this is $1,250. You're saying, why do I need to pay $1,250 when I can be back in the $800 range? 
Read the data sheets. Read the performance sheets. I go back to Windows, as I spoke about a moment ago. There really is a difference in products. You need to look at the performance. You're going to look in Windows. You're going to consider air and water infiltration. You're going to look at thermal value. You're going to look at the warranty from the manufacturer. You're going to look at the performance and the operation of the Windows. So there are areas that you as the consumer, you as the customer, need to spend time with. And the more time you spend, the happier you're going to be, and you're going to stay off the rip-off reports and save yourself a lot of trouble as you go forward. Coming up on this edition of Ken the Contractor, Ken goes one-on-one with a representative from Simtech Fencing. And also in Universal Living, we're going to talk about why you should consider French door-designed refrigerators. You know why? Ken will tell you coming up in a few minutes. And we also welcome your calls and questions. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time answering questions from you, today's homeowner. Have a question about your home inside or out, and you can always be part of the program. Just give us a call at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. That's what Dave did. He joins us right now. He's up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Dave, thanks for holding you on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hello. I seem to have continuous or intermittent problems with my storm door. Um, the uh, uh, it originally uh, had the uh, the two shocks, and then I put a safety chain on it. And uh, I guess the wind here is is pretty strong. I didn't think like it was a high wind area, but I guess it is. And the first safety chain, it just pulled the the spring apart in the safety chain. And uh, so then uh, I got it second safety chain and we fixed everything and with two shocks and another safety chain this one the s hook actually opened up and the, it ripped uh, it did a lot of damage and i have to replace the door again and uh, so my my question is uh, if you're aware of uh, you know a good way to to install it so it doesn't happen again well, I can tell that you're tired of replacing safety chains, and I would be as well, and it's apparent that at least around this corner or this side of your house that you have some pretty high winds from time to time because the storm door hardware is designed to be in, in most typical environments and normally works. But I am going to give you some a, a direction to go in that I think will solve your problem, Dave. And you, you're going to have to move, I think, into the commercial world of architectural hardware, though. Not a terribly expensive item, but what you want to be looking for is called a door check. And this, rather than a chain that tends to have a couple of screws that make contact, and they're usually fairly small screws that you're screwing into your framework, uh, which doesn't give a lot of resistance to wind, this is a device used on commercial doors. You may have seen them on hollow metal doors and wood frame doors and businesses and so forth. But it's about 12 inches long, fairly narrow, made out of aluminum, and it will attach to the head of your storm door in several places. There may be four or five screws that actually go into it. It also it has an internal spring, and it has an arm on it that attaches to the jam. And what this does is when a wind grabs this door, that spring absorbs the energy. Uh, it's substantially different than the small spring that you have with a typical storm door. And these devices usually cost somewhere in a $20, $25 range, so it's not a 2 or $3 item, but it, I'm satisfied it will solve your problem. And you will not find, you're not going to find these at most hardware stores or most of the big box stores. You're going to have to look for a place in your region that sells, uh, architectural hardware, and that's how it will be listed 
for the commercial world, architectural hardware. Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N, happens to be one producer of this door check. There are several others as well. Hey, thank you very much. Well, I hope that works for you. It's very easy to install, user-friendly. You're just going to have to do a little looking in your region, but I think it'll take care of your issue. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Dave, we do appreciate it. Uh, let's go to the emails right now, and let's start in South Bend, Indiana, with Ken. And he's got one of those problems, Ken, that none of us look forward to, and that's water basically coming up through a garage slab. Yeah, he says, I have water coming through my garage floor. It varies from a wet spot to a little bit of standing water. Uh, he tells me a little more about this, which helps me uh, perhaps identify the problem. Uh, he goes on to say, it seems that it gets worse when I get water next to that side of the garage. He has dug down immediately adjacent to the garage and does not find any wet soil, though, even though he's got water coming up. He also does confirm to me that the driveway slopes away from the garage. Now, here's where I think the he's found his own problem. He says, the problem seemed to arise when I had a couple of driveway slabs leveled, and I've had a concrete contractor and a leveling company, company come in and just say, we don't know what the problem is, we haven't seen it before, but he goes on to tell me, that this slab is 25 years old. And so, Ken, I believe you have identified the source of the problem, but not the cure for the problem. And I'm assuming that when this water is coming up through the slab, first, that you're seeing it come through a saw joint or a control joint in that slab. You're not telling me that. So I'm making a couple of assumptions as I give you some direction here. Of course, I've seen that happen more times than a few, both in garage and in basements. But since this garage is 25 years old, and this is developed after leveling the adjacent driveway slabs, as I said, that by itself may be the cause, not the solution, but the cause of the problem. So I want you to consider several things. One, how leveling that slab may have altered the drainage runoff. Uh, you may have to, I don't know how long ago it was since you leveled these slabs, but you may have to think about that or look at some pictures that you may have in that area. How did leveling those slabs alter the drainage runoff. Now, is more water being forced against the garage wall now than what would have been previously? Another item for you to look at is did you alter how the upslope water drained from your yard? Meaning is it now being forced to the up against the garage and previously it was running over these slabs or around the slabs in another direction? Also, I want you to check and be sure that you did not inadvertently cover either a foundation drain that was relieving water pressure from that garage, or even a downspout drain, that if you've added concrete by leveling this and maybe going a little wider, a little longer, you may have inadvertently covered some areas that was relieving water in the past. Now, because, you know, this adjacent slab area has been altered, water may be backing up and getting under the garage slab at some point higher upslope. So it's also another thing for you to consider. Are there ways for water to get in under that garage up at the at the head, the higher area, not just down low where you were digging. The bottom line for me is that you really have identified the source of the problem. Now you have to find a fix. You made some type of change that altered that drainage pattern. Now, you haven't described this, but I will give you one other area to look at. I have seen water come in around windows, work its way in through wall cavities, whether it's block or frame, and then show up on the floor, get into control joints, and then puddle. I do want you to check your doors and windows in the area of this leak closest to where it shows up and be sure you don't have a problem there, especially since you're saying the ground tends to be drier when you dig down a distance below that floor slab. So when you look at all of these, I'm satisfied you're going to come up with the source, and then you're going to be able to come up with a solution for that. 
But one thing is certain is it will never solve it, the problem by itself. One last area for you to look at. Since you say this only seems to show up when you have a, a large amount of water adjacent to this garage wall, I want you to be certain that water is not ponding short term outside the garage wall and actually coming in under the sill plate if you have a frame wall or even through a mortar joint in the block if it's a concrete block structure. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to put out your umbrella, put on your rubber boots, and you're going to stand out in the rain, and you're going to look around this side of the garage in the next really heavy rain. And I think when you do all of these things, that's exactly what I would be doing if I were looking at your house to try and solve the problem. But, again, I think you've identified the source. That's the rework on those slabs. Now you have to identify how you resolve it. So take a look at the next heavy rainstorm, see if you can find what you need to do, and make those corrections. Ken, we appreciate you listening, and thanks for your email. Don't forget, if you do want to forward a question to Ken, you can send it to the website, kenthecontractor.com, or you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. You can also friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. We'd also like to take this opportunity uh, to welcome those of you who are listening to our program for the first time on one of our newest affiliates, KDIO, 1350. 50 a.m., the home of real country in Ortonville, Minnesota. We hope to hear from you soon. If you've got a question about your home inside or out, you can reach Ken the Contractor at 800-614-2975 or email him at kenthecontractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken Patterson is right here, and he's answering the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975, or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Time now for this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and, of course, to save you money. Joining us now is Scott Wood. Scott is the National Account Manager for Simtech. And for those of you that don't know what Simtech is, he's going to tell you, and I think you're going to be overly impressed when you get through listening to all the facts about a Simtech product. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ken. We're happy to be here. Glad you could be with us. Tell us what Simtech is. Simtech is a simulated rock wall that's made out of steel-reinforced polyethylene. Polyethylene is the same material they use to make kayaks, playground equipment, gas can containers. It's a very durable plastic, and we use a a rotational molding process where we take polyethylene in pellet form and we put it in these big molds. It's kind of like making great big waffles. These molds, they rotate as they go into a furnace. We heat it up to about 480 degrees and it takes about an hour to complete a cycle. But when it comes out, you actually pull out a panel that's a 6 by 6 panel or a 4 by 8 panel and we reinforce each panel with steel, both top and bottom rail, and our post systems also reinforced with steel and foam. So when you slide these together, it's kind of like these panels you see on the freeway. You slide a panel into a post system. It's a very uh, strong product. It's been engineered to uh, sustain hurricane force winds. Uh, we've been certified in Miami-Dade County, which is probably the strictest county in the country to meet their wind load requirements, which is 110 uh, sustained winds, gust of uh, 130. And the other nice property about uh, polyethylene, it's a closed molecular material. So if it's ever tagged with graffiti, paint will stick, but it won't adhere. So you can just wash it off with a power washer. So if you have a, uh, an area where you want to put it up as a perimeter fence, so you've got uh, an easy way to remove the graffiti. Uh, it's also a great product for sound abatement. Uh, this product will reduce about 98% of direct sound. 
has a sound transmission class or an STC radium of 26. So we're doing a lot of perimeter fencing, privacy fencing. Some of the builders on a commercial end are using it for dumpster enclosures. Uh, we do a lot of sound walls. It's available in seven different colors, and we're introducing a multicolor panel, which is brand new for us. So we're very excited about this product. It's uh, been on the market since 07. On a retail basis, you can buy this uh, in the Midwest, in your Menard locations, and we are just taking this nationwide with Home Depot this year. So you'll be able to buy uh, the SimTech product in 2,100 Home Depot stores across the country. Will these be stocked at those locations, at least certain colors? They will not be stocked. It'll be a, a special order program, but via the ProDesk, you can order it, and it'll ship to the Home Depot within 10 working days. Now, I've seen this product, but I have to ask you this. As it assembles, it is so easy that not only can your contractor do it, but for those of you that like doing things around your home, believe me, you can do it. Would you agree? Totally. It's a great do-it-yourselfer product. It's uh, The hardest part is digging the holes. Uh, you have to dig about a 10 to 12-inch diameter hole, drop in your post, cement it in, Make sure it's spaced properly and plumbed. And then the panels are very lightweight. They weigh about 60 pounds. Yet they look like stone. Yeah. So you and your significant other can drop it in. So it's a great product for do-it-yourselfers. And I think we're going to have a, a, a lot of folks through the retail chain start doing more and more of this. You've talked about two of the three most critical items, I think, to consumers, at least based on my phone calls. You've talked about ease of cleaning graffiti from the uh, panels. You've also talked about wind load. What about impact resistance? You know, it's a fun thing. When we put this product up in our yard, we had a professional baseball pitcher want to buy one for his home. And we said, rather than buy one, why don't you come down and throw some fastballs against our product? So we have a little video clip that you can go on our website and watch a professional baseball pitcher throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastballs against our product versus vinyl. So it's a very, very durable product. You can throw rocks against it, uh, baseball bats. The other nice thing, it's very maintenance-free. That's kind of the beauty of this. Once it's up, all you really need to do is keep it clean and just watch it. You don't ever have to paint it. It's got a 25 year warranty so a great product uh, outlive most of us that are my age we're talking to scott wood national account manager with simtech fence and scott you talk about some of the properties of this i have to ask a few more that i know consumers are interested in and that has to do with whether this will become brittle now you just said that this has a 25 year warranty but one of the issues that many vinyl fencing products have is that it becomes brittle and also the uv light affects it so i assume that this is designed to the point that's a non-issue that's correct we actually put a, a UV-12 inhibitor right in the resin itself, so we guarantee it's not going to fade. And polyethylene has a characteristic not to get brittle. Polyethylene has thermal expansion characteristics, so rather than getting brittle, it'll actually expand and contract with weather. And it's designed so that when it goes in these posts, there's enough room within the cavities of the post for the panels to move. So you're not going to have any cracking or uh, this product getting hard and, and getting brittle. Now, what about the height of the fence? Are there certain heights, and that's all people can buy, or can these panels be stacked if they happen to live in a zone, or maybe there's no zoning, and they want to have, say, a 10-foot-high fence? A lot of places are limited to 6 feet in height. Great question. Panels are actually made in three sizes. We have a 4-foot-high, 8-foot-wide, and then we have a 6-by-6-foot six panel and a 3-by-6-foot panel, and they are stackable. So you can take the 4 by 8s stack them too high to get an 8-foot fence, and you can actually stack them 3 and 4 feet high to go 12 feet and 16 feet high. Uh, one of the other options you have with the smaller panel is you can actually put ornamental iron on top and kind of have a combination stone plus ornamental iron to give you a, a see-through fence that oftentimes is used in golf courses and environments like that. 
This fence product covers just about every issue any of us would have around our home. So whether you have neighbors that uh, who have children that like painting on fences or whether you happen to be backing up to the neighborhood baseball field for the youngsters or on the golf course, this fence takes care of all your problems, low maintenance, easy to find coming spring, coast to coast in the Home Depot stores. Now, for more information about all of these components, everything we've talked about today and all the other items that you're providing here, where can folks go? They can go to our website at SimTechFence, that's S-I-M-T-E-K, fence.com. One other thing we haven't mentioned, this is a good neighbor fence. has the same design on both sides of the panel. So not only you yourself are going to love it, but your neighbors are going to love it. In fact, that may invite them to fence the balance of their yard. Right. I will agree from the sample that I've seen and what's on the floor here, it looks just as good on both sides. And that is an issue that many fencing products don't have, is that they're... Your finish on one side, pretty plain or boring on the other side. Scott Wood, National Account Manager with Simtech Fence. We appreciate you being with us today, Scott. Thank you, Ken. I will tell you, I've looked at a lot of fencing materials in my career, and, Jim, you've looked at this product with me as well. This is quite unique when you consider all the properties that Scott just talked about, that it's resistant to graffiti. It doesn't become brittle. It has the same finish on both sides, so you, your neighbors, or the ballpark on the back looks pretty good. It's durable. It's impact-resistant, and it's user-friendly. For those of you that want to do it yourself, it's not often that I get excited about a product as simple as fencing, but this one is unique. Yeah, I know. You brought back a sample from the show last year, uh, and it was very impressive because what impressed me the most was the texture and the 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 presentation of it and also it's basically indestructible it is i mean you might drive your car through it but beyond that it's going to deal with everything that we can dish out in our backyard yep so if you'd like to find out more you can go to the website uh that ken was talking about which is simtech s-i-m-t-e-k fencing we're going to take a break and we'll come back. Phone lines are always open if you have a question for Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email your questions to us through the website, KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time answering the questions that are important to you, today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And we're going to go back to the phones right now, and it's Carrie who joins us next. She's in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, and listens to our program on WEEU. Carrie, thanks for holding. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yes. Hi, Carrie. Yes. I was wondering about uh, waterproofing. I had a man in here to get an an idea of what to do. My home is 63 years old. It's a stone home. And uh, in the wintertime, it's fine. In the summertime, and it's only then when we get real heavy rains that uh, it gets musty smelling. I do have a little bit of uh, here and there, a little bit of like a white, I always call it a white ash. It's a white dust that comes, that drops off of the wall. It's a, the stone is like a foot thick and then it's cemented in the basement. It's not a finished basement, but I do a lot of work down there. Uh, and this person suggested that he would put a, an 18 inch he would chip the cement 18 inches all the way around the perimeter of the basement, and then he would put pipes in there, and then he would put a sump pump in and 
put it out onto the lawn. Uh, I just wasn't sure, and I thought, well, I'll get another opinion. And he said, do not use a dehumidifier. He said, that dries out the walls. Well, what he's talking about doing basically is putting in an interior foundation drain. The fact that you're describing he wants to mm-hmm. trench around the floor slabs and put a mm-hmm. sump in and then a pipe and discharge that to the exterior, mm-hmm. he's trying to collect the water from the inside. And that is an acceptable method of relieving hydrostatic water pressure. That's the buildup in the pressure of water that works its way through our foundations. Now, that's mm-hmm. probably fairly pricey. When you look at that, uh, like fourteen, I got him down to about fourteen thousand. Yeah, that's pretty pricey in in yes, most I people's thought. minds. Okay, so yeah. let me talk to you about some other alternatives, and also if you want to pursue that, I certainly want you to get at least two additional bids mm-hmm. as a professional. And I've been, I have bought tens of millions of dollars of products in my career. I will assure you that when we are looking at competitive prices. It is amazing how prices will run the gamut, and it doesn't mean that the low or the middle or the high price, any of those are always the best. You still have to do follow-up homework and make comparisons. My point is that they really run the gamut, and you need to be well-informed before you spend especially that kind of money. Mm-hmm. But first, you're describing a white powdery residue that builds up on the inside of the stone yeah, foundation. Yeah, not a lot. I, I see some occasionally. It's a dry pottery. Sure. Is that is that coming in or being formed rather high on the walls or down closer to the floor? Maybe three feet up. Okay, that's it telling can vary throughout. <clears throat> that's telling me a little bit about where your water problem is now. What you're seeing, you can wipe it off probably with your hands. It's a powdery product, yes. and it's mm-hmm. it, it's efflorescence, and that comes from the mortar that holds your stone together. Uh-huh. So that's moisture bleeding through those mortar joints, and as it uh-huh. dries, it creates this powdery white residue. It's mm-hmm. not harmful. It's just the minerals that are coming out of the mortar proper that's mm-hmm. there. But what that does tell me is generally that's where your waterproofing problem Starts, or that's about the highest point somewhere in that area. Because if it were near your the ceiling of the basement, then it would be almost groundwater. So clearly, this is water that's a couple of feet, two, three feet below the surface, that's finally building up, and it's just creating so much pressure against your walls that it's coming in through those mortar joints. Mm-hmm. And that's and you probably notice this being more common in uh, times of the year when there's more rainfall. Summertime. More, more, in the winter, it's everything is fine. There's no musty smell or anything. And that's because even though you may have uh, these days, you probably had a fair amount of snow in the in the winter months, but it, it melts slowly. It's the mm-hmm. strong downpours that you get when the water table has come up and the ground is more saturated. Now, I do, a house is 63 years old, probably mm-hmm. was not constructed with a foundation drain. Do you know if there is one there? Uh, there is a, uh, what we call a French drain. Okay, along, along the perimeter, the outside of the house. No, no, it's in uh, like maybe a oh, one-fourth in from the wall of the whole uh, basement. And it, it's basically... Uh, a drain where if they did hand washing laundry, they'd okay. pour the water down that hole. So it really or wasn't. They, or if they washed the basement out, they they would let it drain down that hole. So it's not really designed to collect outside rainwater. No, no, no. All right. One of the 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 people that I want you to talk with, in addition to the bid you have for the interior, would be a waterproofing company. And I don't this know. It was a waterproofing okay. proofing company. But this is a company that will specialize in a product called Rubber Wall. Uh huh. Now, Rubber Wall is a product that's sprayed on foundations, 
and it sets up like a solid sheet of rubber. It expands and contracts. It, it's designed for all types of temperatures. I think it's good for minus 20 on up, and you won't be that cold that far down. But, no. I, but I'd like you to talk with some companies that will apply waterproofing to the exterior as well. Mm-hmm. Now, are you only having a problem in one section of the basement, or is it all the way around? Water-wise, I don't have water except I have one little one little thing that I wanted to be sure to mention to you. I have a ground cellar. Okay. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> yeah, you got you got no floor in that area. It's ground, yeah, yeah it's dirt. and it's just a small area under the porch. The people who owned the home before did gardening, and they put their apples and that stuff sure. in there. Mm-hmm. Apples, now, potatoes, some, those type items. Mm, sometimes, if it rains and rains and rains, I'll get moisture coming out. Uh, uh, water actually coming out underneath that door and i didn't know if that was part of the problem however in the corners of the basement i do have the other man that was here to look at it said like a christmas tree effect in the corners okay yeah i'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about with the moisture mm-hmm. that's there clearly you have a groundwater problem and you have to figure out how you're going to cope with that and so, again, if you will talk to some additional waterproofing companies that do two things, and you've, you've looked at an interior drain system, I want you to look at the cost of applying this rubber wall waterproofing to the exterior of the basement walls, which means they will have to excavate around the basement. Secondly, the best way to resolve that problem permanently, and I want you to have the prices also to compare, is to install foundation drain on the exterior and do that waterproofing. $14,000 is an awful lot of money, and you may find that for equal or less money, you can deal with this on the exterior of the home, solve the problem permanently going forward. Terry, I'm going to ask you to hold the line right there. Ken, let's quickly get in in our universal living. You've intrigued me here with the design for a refrigerator, French door design with a bottom freezer. Well, we talk universal living. I think I've discussed this many times. That really is about having everything in our homes accessible to absolutely anyone, whether they're seven foot six or whether they're three foot two or whether they're physically disabled. It doesn't matter. One of the things that's taken place in recent years, uh, really just in the last year, is looking at the French doors on refrigerators and freezers. These have double doors that open at the top, freezer on the bottom. They slide out. They have multiple trays. They have double doors for reach-in, easy access. And what you will find is it is being well-received across this country for universal living. So if you've got to replace a refrigerator freezer, take heart. Yeah, I've seen those where the freezer is on the bottom. Very convenient where you pull them out, and it makes it a whole lot easier to go through, and you don't have that stuff that kind of languishes at the bottom of your freezer that you never see again. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or online at KenTheContractor.com. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.